The FDA recently issued final guidance for the post-market management of medical device cybersecurity. But what are some of the best practices that real-world healthcare organizations are putting into place to ensure the security of connected medical devices in their institutions? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Carl West, CISO for Intermountain Healthcare, a large integrated healthcare system based in Utah, and Mike Nelson, VP of Healthcare Solutions at security vendor DigiCert. Carl and Mike will be describing steps that healthcare organizations, such as hospitals and clinics, as well as medical device makers, should take to ensure the safety, security, and privacy of medical devices. Now, Mike, for starters, the FDA's recent post-market guidance advises healthcare entities and manufacturers to take a variety of steps to improve security of medical devices that are in use. What are some of the most important suggestions that you think the FDA makes, Mike? To answer your question, I think that the post-market guidance for healthcare providers, it encourages risk assessment, making sure that healthcare providers assess and fully understand and mitigate the risks associated with medical devices. And I think that's one of the overarching themes of the of the guidance is to make sure that that risk assessment is done. And for organizations like Intermountain Healthcare, that's a very important step in understanding the vulnerabilities and the risks that are present in those devices. And so now, Carl, the FDA's main focus is protecting the safety of patients. With that said, what are some of the best practices at Intermountain to safeguard not only the safety of patients when it comes to medical devices and cybersecurity, but also to help safeguard the security of the data on Intermountain's systems to which these devices are connected? Thank you, Marianne. And you uh, point out an area of grave concern for us. Patient safety is, of course, number one risk and threat for us in cybersecurity with these devices, but at the same time, the security is critical because these devices can be leveraged and used as threat vector to allow a breach, to allow a denial of service attack, to allow ransomware to come into our enterprises. So in a in a environment like Intermountain or any healthcare provider, I think there are a number of things. First, the formal risk assessment associated specifically with medical device that's focusing on identifying, protecting detecting issues, determining how we respond and how we recover. And I think if we get a little bit further down, Marianne, what we really need to do is to create an inventory. And that's a difficult thing, that first step, because these devices come in from so many different avenues. They can come in directly to a patient in their home, in their lives, and in their care setting. They can come in through an ambulatory care setting, through an acute care setting, through actual physician special practices, oncology, audiology, podiatry, in a glucose environment for monitoring blood. So the entrance into our systems is so difficult for us to comprehend and understand. So number one, getting that inventory and knowing all of the devices. And then after you've done that, we have to classify what is the data that is either on, stored, 
moved, manipulated by this device? What is the risk categorization? Is it high? Is it critical? Is it medium? Is it low? And then we have to identify and deploy common controls. And after that, put into place ways to detect anomalies and things that are going on. So I think those are first steps that we all need to be involved in today in protecting these medical devices, Marianne. And so now, Mike, the FDA has been issuing guidance for medical devices. As we know, we just saw some post-market guidance, but it's also issued pre-market guidance. How would you assess the state of medical device cybersecurity overall? Where are some of the weak spots, do you think? That's a very good question, and I think that you know the pre- and the post-market guidance now cover the life cycle of a medical device, and so I think that that's it's a healthy thing for our industry. The current state is, you know, I think there's some real positive things that are going on, and there are also some really scary things. I'll start with the scary, so we end uh, on more of a positive note, but last year we've seen a handful of attacks. Uh, We're familiar with the St. Jude and the Muddy Waters incident and um, the vulnerability that was disclosed there and what happened with the short sale of the stocks. That's a scary incident and one that we we don't want to see replicated or, or happen again. On the positive side, I think that we're seeing a lot of really good collaboration. The post-market guidance document talks about how it really is a shared responsibility among all of the stakeholders in the industry to solve this challenge of securing medical devices, and that includes healthcare providers like Carl's Group patients, the medical device manufacturers, and security providers like Digicert. And we are seeing a large amount of collaboration occur. And I think part of that is the FDA has encouraged that collaboration. And I give them kudos for welcoming collaboration and participation in the development of these documents. I'm also encouraged by the amount of activity we see from medical device manufacturers and putting in place controls to do things like proper authentication for medical devices, making sure only trusted users and trusted messages that are coming from trusted sources have access to the devices, making sure that the data that is sitting on a device or being moved to and from a device is being encrypted and handled in a confidential way, and making sure that there's integrity with that data, making sure that it hasn't been tampered with. So a medical device that's generating a report with patient numbers that a doctor is going to be using to prescribe medication, making sure that those values can't be altered and that there's real integrity around that data. And we're seeing manufacturers put those types of controls in place for devices that will be coming to the market. And I think that those are really positive signs and things that we've seen an uptick in pretty dramatically in the last six months to a year. So now, Carl, Mike mentioned a point that's been sort of echoed here over the last couple of years. There's been examples where so-called ethical hackers identify cybersecurity vulnerabilities in medical devices that are already in use by hospitals and clinics and other sort of healthcare providers. Carl, when you hear about these sorts of findings, what steps do you usually take to try to assess the situation if indeed these medical devices are found to be in use at Intermountain? And when it comes to the inventory issue, how difficult a challenge is that to kind of identify and see if these particular devices are the ones that are identified by you know, the so-called ethical hackers? 
Those great questions, Mary Ann. I think overall the guidance from the FDA is good. We are pleased by it. It is very welcome. And those risk assessments that are recommended by the FDA guidance are going to help us in the scenario that you're describing where there is a vulnerability or where there is some type of a risk that's identified, at that point for us to be able to work with that manufacturer becomes critical and to understand how they might have got in. And it is a difficult thing because those devices could have come in through a home care environment, through an individual patient. They may have come in through the ambulatory or the acute care setting. And so for us, as we start down that process, our first step is to look at the inventory list that we have created and then go back and assess the number of those devices, where they're at, and who implanted, who put that device in, and then connect with that provider organization inside Intermountain and through them back to the, to the patient. So it's a number one, an assessment of the inventory, number two, assessment of the devices, the state of the devices, the risk associated with those, and then reaching out to physicians and patients to make sure we're taking appropriate actions and setting controls that will mitigate the risk that has been identified. I, I think a couple of other things that I would add, Marianne, I think the risk assessment that's being recommended by the FDA and their guidance will be a very helpful thing. If those, if those risk assessments exist and we can get access to those and share that information, that's going to help us all to be quicker to respond when an issue occurs. And further into the guidance that came out is a discussion by the FDA on creation of ISALs, integrated sharing analytics organizations, and that will help as well. If we have environments in ways where we can share and the manufacturer can share with us what they're seeing and what we're seeing on our risk assessments, that is going to create the state of protection that we need in the future. And we need that to be proactive versus reactive. So the announcement that was made a couple of weeks ago between the FDA and the healthcare ISAC, where they will be standing up a sharing analytics organization as a part of the healthcare ISAC, that will have a significant impact on these uh, risk and privacy and concerns that exist. And I think if you, if you look at the regulation, one thing that would, from our perspective, that would be helpful, Marianne, is that safety and security need to be a part of the risk assessments, not just the safety. That's the number one. That's the driving concern for us all. But those breach issues, those security issues have got to be connected. And I think the way that can happen is between the FDA guidance and the HHS HIPAA regulation, we just need to make connections and connecting cyber guidance back to HHS regulation would help on that matter. And my final question, I'll give you both a chance to address. Mike, looking ahead, what are the most critical steps that you'd like to see the medical device makers take to improve overall cybersecurity of their products in the future? I'll tie my answer to something from the guidance, which 
is a, a statement that the FDA made as part of the post-market guidance. The language in it reads that cybersecurity routine updates and patches are considered device enhancements and don't require further documentation in most cases. The reason I think that that's so important, and I hope the manufacturers pay attention to that, is I think that the FDA has been used as a reason for not addressing cybersecurity in legacy medical devices. And that language is very clear in stating that cybersecurity updates are considered enhancements and don't require documentation. And I think that's a really important aspect. Patches are the way, one of the ways in which you can improve security for devices that are already out in the field. And I, I would hope to see an uptick in that. And it will, of course, have to happen with in coordination with uh, the healthcare providers and making sure that they're done in secure ways. But I think that would be a great step to improve security of uh, devices that are already deployed. Carl, anything in particular that you would like to see medical device makers do to improve the overall cybersecurity of their products looking ahead? First, I think follow this guidance. We think it's just great guidance from Suzanne and her team. And the creation of a risk assessment for pre- and post-market management will be just a welcome change. I think that will help us all. We're doing that on the implementation side, and if we could couple those things, it will help us all. And so then the next step after that risk assessment that's prescribed is later in the document, it talks about sharing of information. And so I, I would encourage medical device manufacturers be among the first to join the FDA's health ISAC sharing organization. So the NHISAC is standing that up right now. Join that, publish indicators of compromise, put out vulnerability information, respond as providers are pushing up IOCs and vulnerabilities into that environment. That sharing that threat analytics that the NHISAC will stand up will be critical to us all being able to detect, prevent, respond, and to recover. I think, as Mike was saying, providing patches uh, on a timely basis for those vulnerabilities. I think another thing that would be helpful is if we could all gravitate to the MD squared specification. So when a device comes out, we have clarity around the specifications, the controls, what this device can and can't do, and, uh, and including providing for us uh, some whitelisting so that we know what this device needs to talk to and we can blacklist everything else to protect patient safety and uh, protect against threat and vulnerability for security. Those are things that I think are outlined and comprehended by the FDA guidance, and, and I think that's a, those are great steps forward. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Carl. I've been speaking to Mike Nelson of DigiCert and Carl West of Intermountain Healthcare. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.